Welcome to the Barefoot Chats podcast by Backbone. I'm your host, Samson. In this episode, I speak with Louise Bazina, the Artistic Director of Brisbane Festival, and we have a great chat about some of her highlights of her career, how she got to where she is, and she gives some really great advice for anyone out there wanting to make festivals of their own. Take a listen. Thank you so much, Louise, for joining us on the Backbone Barefoot Chats podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Um, I imagine your schedule has been quite busy at the moment uh, with your current appointment at Brisbane Festival. Tell us a little bit how it's going over there. Is it a bit of a madhouse trying to figure out what the possibilities are for 2020? Um, Yeah, look, it is um, complex and it's... You know, I think because everybody's in the same boat, it's um, an interesting time for us all. But I think that, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of enjoying the opportunity to reimagine and to think outside the square, which I think is the only way forward at the moment is to really think about what is possible um, in a new world. Yeah, definitely. Which we don't have the answers to yet necessarily, but... Um, you know, kind of being open to what could be. But, yeah, there's numerous scenario plans and budgets and a whole range of things happening. We're, we are extremely busy at the festival at the moment, yeah. but um, but it's good to be busy, I think. Yeah, and, I mean, creatives are going to be at the forefront of exactly what happens in this brave new world. So, um, yeah, you're right. It's pretty exciting to see what's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I guess the only challenge for our industry is to ensure that there's the right support to enable that creativity to flourish without it being, um, you know, jeopardised or burning out artists who are already working so hard and given, you know, the financial situation Mm -hmm. of the world in which we find ourselves in right now, it is certainly going to be an ongoing challenge. Um, But it's even more important that organisations such as Brisbane Festival and other organisations have the capacity, um, whilst we still do, to be thinking about how we can enable those artists to, um, to flourish at this time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really appreciate that as a perspective as well because I, I obviously work with Backbone but I'm an independent young artist myself like many of the people that will be listening to this podcast and, yeah, it is a little bit scary for freelancers and, you know, people that sort of don't really have like a lock-in contract um, with with any larger organisations. So, yeah, I think that it will uh, raise a lot of things that we need to sort of be talking about and making sure that we create some support systems in the future. So hopefully this doesn't this type of thing doesn't have to happen again. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is we don't know, you know. We don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't yeah. know if we ever will go back to normal and we need to really think carefully about what parts of normal we actually do want to keep. Um, Very bad. And <laughs> rid of some of the things that weren't working. Um and ensure that we're more robust and sustainable in some ways going forward. Yes, absolutely. I really feel that. Um, Now, for anybody that doesn't know you, because this is your first year as the Artistic Director of Brisbane Festival, um, tell us a little bit about what it is that your role entails at Brisbane Festival. 
Yeah, so I'm yet to deliver my first Brisbane Festival and it seems that it may actually be <laughs> certainly a, a, an interesting journey into um, what the first year will be to have, you know, go through um, a pandemic, a worldwide yeah. pandemic, which is, yeah. But look, my job is to curate and to provide the artistic direction of the Brisbane Festival, coming up with ideas, all the programming, um, and lead the organisation artistically and working in partnership with my colleague, um, Charlie Cush, who's the CEO, and reporting directly to a board. But, you know, it's an extraordinary opportunity. It's a wonderful job. Brisbane Festival is such a great festival that has such a great history in our city. Um, and to be able to provide, uh, you know, a different direction, keeping what, um, you know, what's so special and wonderful about it. But, of course, being faced with, um, you know, the festival within this current environment is also really different. Um, yeah. And so it really, you know, begs the question to dig really deep to think about, well, okay, what is it that we actually can do? Yeah. Um, and I think as we move out of constant crises, we've been through bushfires and now we're into this, that we just need to be on our toes all the time. And having long future plans can actually be um, quite difficult to respond to um, mm. or be quite difficult to make because the world is just changing so dramatically and the, and the program needs to be responsive to that. What the questions that we're asking in the program What's the festival mm. trying to say? Why has it made certain choices artistically? Why has it chosen to, you know, why have I chosen to work with certain artists, etc.? Up all, you know, they become even more important yeah. to get right when we're in this kind of environment. But yeah, look, it's a great opportunity. It's a great job. Um, it's a complicated job, but it's a great kind of complication at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that is such. Uh, high level position to be holding within the industry. I'm sure all of our young people that are listening to this podcast know what Brisbane Festival is um, before they even decide, you know, to go to university, especially if they've grown up around the Brisbane sort of Gold Coast, that sort of area. Um, so it is such an awesome position and it's awesome to see uh, to see you, a female, in that position. So um, give me a bit of background. How did you get your start in, I guess, producing and curating and making festivals? Yeah, well, it was actually through Backbone um, in some way, um, yeah. which, you know, is so great. Um, I started, I did a theatre degree at uni, but I've mm. also always been interested in the arts and mm. as a performer mostly. Um, but, yeah, back when I was at uni, studying theatre, I um, um, did a two, I was part of the two high festivals, um, which was in those, back in those days, it was just for young women, which was a really great opportunity mm. to be involved in making a festival. And then I also made a show that was part of it that I performed in as well. Um, and I guess that just really ignited the flame for me that this was where I wanted my career to go. And so from there, I just pursued every opportunity I could. I continued my relationship with Backbone and was involved in other productions and, and works that were being made by the company. Got, you know, got a great job. And then I um, actually 
once I'd finished my degree, I had um, the opportunity to either move to Melbourne to continue to study um, performance or mm. I was also offered a job to run um, the Mackay Festival of Arts, which is where I'm originally from and moved to Brisbane for university. And I had said to myself that I would never go back to Mackay. But this <laughs> job came up, which was, you know, seemed like a fantastic opportunity to run a festival yeah. at the age of 22 in a, you know, in a re- pretty re- reasonable size regional town mm. um, in Queensland and just pull together this 11-day festival working directly for the council and I got that job. So I actually chose to go down that path and that was really it for me. From there, I um, then worked on the Queensland Music Festival then I worked, came back to Brisbane and I spent many years working at Brisbane Festival. Then I went to the Judith Wright Centre and was the programming director. And then after that, I moved to the Gold Coast and um, had almost a decade on the coast. And yeah. my um, role there was I started the Bleach Festival. Yeah, which, you had eight um, years there. Is that right? Um, there's nine, actually. Nine. Yeah. So. I started Bleach back in 2011 oh and goodness. then had the first festival in 2012 and um, it's now, you know, the Gold Coast Festival and it's part of the fabric of the city. Um, but in the early years, it was very much a start-up, grassroots kind yeah. of project that just grew and grew and grew. And, yeah, I was really proud of where it got to and um, excited yeah, a- about where I left it and, and now it's on a new path. So, yeah. yeah it's a pretty astounding story. Um, Bleach Festival, like you're saying, just from going from grassroots to what it is now, what were some of the main, I guess, like uh, challenges and, and rewards of growing something like that from it being a tiny seed to the beautiful flower that it is now? Yeah, I think I was – look, I think there was – without a doubt, an extraordinary amount of hard work that went into it. But at the same time, and a lot of determination from me, but I think because I've been working in so many festivals and festivals that were for a particular community, whether it was Brisbane Festival or even Mm -hmm. in Mackay, um, it was really clear that the Gold Coast actually didn't have one thing that kind of connected all of its cultural and artistic pursuits together that really... Mm -hmm the story of the Gold Coast. It was all very fragmented into particular parts of the of the coast. So each village kind of had their own vibe, but there was nothing that sort of linked it all together. So I think that combination and it just kind of working out combined with um, the fact that the Gold Coast was successful in its bid to host the Commonwealth Games, which mm-hmm. came with a whole lot of extra investment into the city and support meant that it just all worked and yeah I I look back now and I think god how did I pull that off but I had really great people around me to connect with mentor me support me believe in me and um it just kind of kept going really there were times where I felt like throwing it all in and just thinking this is all too hard I'm doing all this by myself but then you know, once I was able to get some staff to come and work with me, it was um, a different ball game entirely. 
Definitely. And you mentioned mentors sort of being able to help you through this um, process. Um, Would you be able to talk a little bit um, more on mentors and, you know, finding the right ones and and how you feel like those relationships helped you grow as an artistic director? Yeah, look, absolutely. I mean, I think mentors play a huge role and I'm so grateful that I've had so many wonderful mentors on my journey. Um, you know, the first mentor that I had formally, which was when I was um, doing a mentorship program for Youth Arts Queensland, um, was with Lyndon Terracini. And Lyndon used to be the artistic director of Brisbane Festival back many, many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that was um, quite a remarkable uh, mentorship to have. And then I've also had Robin Archer as a mentor, who's still you know, a very close friend of mine, who um, has run Melbourne Festival and Adelaide Festival and many, many other big um, arts programs across the world, as well, and also as an incredibly well-known artist. Mm. Um, and yeah, they sort of just come into your life at particular moments, and then it's how you actually harness that, and whether it's more of a formalised process or it becomes quite organic. Um, but I have a few people that I, you know, contact every now and then for still because I, I don't think that ever stops in your career, um, yeah. you know, to have people that you can talk to, run things by, um, just kind of have someone that you trust to be a sounding board is really important and um, I really encourage people to, to seek out some mentors <laughs> in their on their journey because it does help a lot. Yeah, it's, I feel it's like really important to have yeah that connection even with a couple of different people, especially as artists become more and more um, multifaceted. Um, you know, we're no longer seeing artists that are just one sort of thing. I think a lot of young artists are doing multiple things and, you know, they're wanting to act and perform and create work, but they're also wanting to produce as well. So I think being able to create those sort of um, – connections with people in the industry and maybe having multiple um just so that yeah you're right you can have people to bounce ideas off and and chat to that kind of really get your craft in a particular way absolutely yeah it's really important um did you have any specific mentors when you were younger for uh like creating festivals um and curating and producing and that whole side of thing um, look, I would say Lyndon, who I mentioned mm. earlier. Um, I think I was 19 or 20 when I met him. Um, oh, gosh. Um, who else? I mean, gosh, going right back to even when I was at school, I think my speech and drama teacher was my first proper mentor. <laughs> yeah. Who, um, you know, I think those kind of influences can be critical to how a you know a young person takes their journey whether you've got someone that believes in you or Mm. you know is willing to take an interest in you in some way I think that that can really help shape the direction that you take as well oh absolutely Uh, shout out to the teachers out there we really yeah and they're really amazing (laughs) yeah yeah exactly no I had a, a good drama teacher and an excellent music teacher like yeah, set me for life. I reckon. So yeah, shout I out. Totally feel that way about mine. Yeah, mm. I agree. Shout out, particularly at the moment. Yeah, poor <laughs> when, things. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
yeah, they're also in such a intense boat and mm. of uncertainty, but hopefully we can all pull through it together. Um, I was also wondering, Louise, I mean, this might be a big question, um, but I'm just wondering what is your favourite part of the festival making experience, especially from, you know, an artistic director sort of um, perspective? Yeah, I feel like my favourite part is um, putting together the pieces for that upcoming festival. Like some things, some projects have taken years and years in the making um, and others come at different times. But there's a there's this window of time where you've just finished the last festival and your whole team starts to shift their energy into the next festival mm. and the artistic director is usually you know one or two steps ahead and it's really nice when the company starts to move in a direction that supports the future and there's this little window where you know you're testing and, and talking about the vision and meeting with lots of artists and just getting really into that creative process mm. as it all starts to come together and then it's, you know, talking to funding bodies and, and so forth. And, yeah, it's a particular period of time, but I really, really like it. I really enjoy that moment. And then I guess probably the next really exciting moment is the launch when it's all public and everybody knows all the secrets and everything's out there. I do love a you know, launch that's party. Also a really great time as well. Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a magical time and... Um, as someone who I also have like a background in uh, design and marketing, finally having that piece of paper, that little booklet or the flyers or whatever you've made out there, it's a beautiful totally. moment. Totally. <laughs> and the website is up Oh, and it's looking yeah. fresh. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all out there, you know, and mm. then it's just great delivery. And there's a phase of, you know, putting out the fires, which is probably – um, not necessarily the right terminology to use anymore, <laughs> given we've had so many fire tragedies. But it was certainly that moment where you move from, you know, this is what we're doing to, okay, now it's just addressing any issues that come up and being ready for that. And then you move back out of that, you go through the roller coaster of emotion of delivering the festival. How are people responding? Are they enjoying it? What's the show that's you know, causing the most division between audiences, what are people talking about, all that kind of thing. It's all very exciting. Yeah. You mentioned what shows are causing the most division. Um, have you had a project or something that you've commissioned within your festival that surprised you or maybe um, you sort of had a feeling that it might actually be one of those shows that sort of spark people off and they are loving it, but they're kind of hating it sometimes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. What kind of shows have done that in the past, if I can ask? Yeah. Look, um, I had a pretty intense experience um, during my last Bleach Festival, actually. had a project that was created by an artist um, and it was quite – it was – a durational live performance mm. that went for, um, yeah, it was a 24-hour period. And basically, what it needed to be set in a pool. And the project was called Landing. Mm. And the reason she wanted to make the project was she wanted to raise people's awareness around Manus Island. Yeah. Uh, and I thought what she was 
trying to say and do was really admirable. So I um, programmed this work where over a 24-hour period, people needed to book in for an hour and swim, um, you know, swim laps of the pool. And then everybody's collective um, length of how long they swam was all collected. And the intention was to collectively swim the distance between the top of Australia to Manus Island. Um, And at the same time, while you were swimming, you had to wear um, a headpiece that was a series of rocks, kind of like an island. So really interesting work, highly political, Mm. um, but very gentle. And it also required um, the festival to engage a series of uh, a group of refugees or asylum Mm. seekers to greet and kind of coach on those that had volunteered to do the swimming in the pool. Right. Anyway, um, I also chose to put it in the um, pool at the Gold Coast that was made specifically the Aquatic Centre for the Com Games. Yes. So, um, which was a year later mm-hmm. that we presented that. Anyway, um, long story short, it's, um, yeah, it. <laughs> It was in the public arena. The program guide was out, and then I got a call from the media saying, um, "You know, there's some people that are very angry about this event. It's caused a lot of um, discomfort for people. You know, how could? What was I thinking? Um, and you know, it, it was just completely inappropriate. And so then it turned into quite a big story that went into the Courier Mail as well as the Gold Coast Bulletin." And I was, um, my face was all over the uh, aquatic centre pool in the paper. Um, oh, no. And, yeah, it really made people very uncomfortable, which was not the intention. Mm. But, you know, that's okay. That's kind of why some of these projects um, do exist. Anyway, they did all those stories, but then they wanted to follow it up when we were actually at the pool and come and... Um, photograph some of the participants and meet some of the um, people that we'd engage from the community who were cheering on. And, of course, they came along and there was no story. Everything was calm and cool and beautiful and lovely and everyone was really polite. There were no riots. There were no no dramas. And so the next story didn't actually ever run. But, um, yeah, that's one very good, raw example of, of something that you think you know, that a festival should do is raise a series of questions within a community as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it definitely made people, some people, extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, there's some topics like that that just really get some people, hey, and I guess refugees and asylum seeking and that whole narrative, especially within Australia, can be quite um, uncomfortable for a lot of people. So that mm. it's such a shame that the second story um, showing how much people were engaging with this particular project didn't run, but that's oh, the media. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we yeah. were pretty devastated. But it was also interesting to us that, mm. you know, I think they were so hungry for it to be something that it wasn't. Mm. Um, and of course they didn't you know that wasn't what they talked about but yeah anyway that's just one example and it's hard to go through that because it was my face all over it and Mm. you know it's a little confronting but you've just got to stick to your convictions as to why a particular project was chosen and I was the one that made that decision 
Um, so I had to kind of own that then. And yeah, I look back and I'm glad that I had that experience. But yeah. at the same time, yeah, it was, it's not always easy. No, it's not. But thank you for standing up and, you know, standing by those convictions. I'm sure there's a lot of people in the world that might change their tune or, you know, change their ideas but sometimes I think artists uh can be quite convicted and proud of the choices they make even if it does make people uncomfortable so that's awesome that that you can be that and you can do that yeah well I think that's a part of our job you know but it does take a bit of courage to do that definitely um, now, before we finish up and wrap up this wonderful episode of the podcast, Louise, I do have one more question um, that comes from some of our um, listeners in the subscriber group. Um, they're just wondering if you have any advice, particularly for like young independent artists um, who want to work on the festival, um, either as producers or making work, if you have any sort of advice for, th- for that sort of group of people. Who actually want to make work for the festival. Uh, make work for the festival, maybe produce, oh, yeah, yeah, or work for the festival. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, there's a whole plethora of uh, different kinds of artists that we that we work with and I think they're just really interested on how as young people, um, how they can get a little bit more involved and plugged into the festival. Yeah, right. Um, well, I mean, firstly, make contact with the festival. Um, you know, we have a range of intern and volunteer programs that exist mm-hmm. And it's a really great way to get connected to the festival, experience the festival, meet the people behind the festival who work in the festival. So that is a really great way. That is how I started out was just really, while I was at uni, just volunteering for everything I could to to get experience and meet people. Um, And going to things, shows, if there's any kind of forums or workshops or masterclasses, um, anything that, you know, could expand a network, I would really encourage um, participation in. Um, and just not being afraid to make contact with with us um, or whoever it might be that you're interested in working with and, and just letting people know your interest, what you're interested in, what you want to do. Is there any um, opportunities available? Um, and just ask those questions because that's the only way you're going to find out that information. Totally, yeah, just being more upfront and not afraid to sort of say, hey, we networked the other night, great to meet you, what's going on and how can I sort of be a part of it? Totally, totally, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a bit yeah. nerve-wracking for, like, I mean, I've been in that oh, position, definitely <laughs> nerve-wracking, can say from first-hand experience, but, uh, yeah, a lot of beautiful things can come out of just asking and even if there's nothing available at the moment or at that time you kind of get on a list of of names of oh, that person totally that person I remember yeah. them <laughs> and um yeah. how, how young is too young to volunteer for the back uh for sorry for Brisbane Festival oh that's a really good question actually I don't know if they've had any volunteers or under eight who are under 18 mm. um so I'd need to find that out for you um but I am interested in increasing the programming and engagement opportunities for young people. Um, and depending on how things evolve this year, there will certainly be um, quite a big shift in that space. Awesome. Um, but, yeah, look, if anyone specifically wants to know that the answer to that question and they're under 18, 
um, I can take that on notice and, and come back to you with, with a firm response because I'm just not sure. Um, I don't think there's a huge history of it that, um, in the festival, but that doesn't mm. mean it couldn't happen or be supported. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, we work with a few uh, high school students at the moment in our Backbone Ensemble and they're really keen to be involved in a, in a lot of levels. So um, that came from some of them being interested. So, yeah, we'd love to know if if there's sort of a too, if there's a too young or um, sort of a limit, age limit on that. Um, yeah, I'll find <laughs> out for you and I'll come, I'll email you and that way if anybody listening wants to know the information that you'll you'll have the answer. Yes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast, Louise. It's been amazing talking to you this afternoon. Oh, you're very welcome. I hope I've been um, of use in some way and and hopefully, um, yeah, it's nice to connect back in with Backbone. It's a great organisation. I'll come and chat anytime. Thank you so much, Louise. I hope you have an awesome afternoon. 